Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode on the Remaster Podcast. I'm your host, Muhammad Kibria, and I'm joined by very special guest, Chaplain Sister Marwa Ali. And today we are going to talk about identifying as spiritual, but not necessarily religious. We're going to get into this topic a little bit more detail. But first of all, how are you, Sister Marwa? Alhamdulillah, I'm very happy to be with you, Muhammad. And uh, it's an honor and pleasure to discuss this very important topic today. Allah. Okay, so before we begin, usually we introduce every one of our guests, but a little bit about your biography. Um, you're a mother, a mentor, a chaplain, a teacher. You graduated from Heart First uh, Theological Seminary as a chaplain, and you're also, you also worked at Trinity College and Westland University while working as a youth development manager at Islamic Center. Okay, so your profile is like, mashallah, like you're all over the map, but that's, this is great. So I want to talk about, you know, jumping into the topic today a little bit. And um, before we get into it, like, can you tell us, like, as a chaplain, like, what exactly is your role in the Muslim community or in the job field that you're doing? Yeah, so I, uh, were, I went to the seminary after graduating from Fordham University. Um, and that's when I actually was introduced to Mass. So I was doing some activist work with Mass. Um, and I wanted to pursue a PhD in Islamic studies. So I spoke to Dr. Ingrid Mattson, who was my mentor at the time. Uh, and she said, you know, if you pursue a PhD, it's a lot of research. It's a lot of academic work, but you're already on the ground doing the work. Mm. And the chaplaincy program seems right up your alley because you continue to do on the ground work and still continue your studies, right? So I felt like it was the best model, um, knowing that I really thrived in, in that environment. With chaplaincy in particular, you are the first point of contact for someone who is struggling. Uh, you may not, you know, you're not certified as a therapist, but you mm. can see the signs of, okay, this person really needs um, therapy. This person is just going through a lull in their iman, um, and this person just needs a friend. Uh, and so we try to approach it from a big tent Islam type of way, where it is very much like ta'lif, come as you are to Islam as it is. Um, and really try to get to understand the person and see what their struggles are um, and help them navigate those struggles um, on the journey. Mm -hmm. Wow. So uh, you definitely have an important role, mashallah. Yeah. First point of contact. So like more, more like calling when, you, when you're in an emergency, call 911. So I guess students, <laughs> it's like, let's go to Sister Marwa, right? You're the first point of contact. I think that it's a really important role. And in the way currently how our community is functioning, you would think that, you know, a lot of the imams should play that role where that's the first place you go and check in. Just like every companions checked in, like they felt unclear of things. They felt not religious enough, which we're going to talk about topic or maybe too religious. And they went and checked in with the Prophet because that was a central location. That was a central link to their connection to Allah, right? I mean, obviously direct connection, but in terms of just checking in with somebody to reassure and you play that role very well, mashallah. So mm -hmm. um, in, in, in before getting to the topic, do you like, do you ever feel like you go through that same zone where you feel, have, or have you ever experienced what, you know, maybe uh, you're spiritual, but not religious? Or mm -hmm. what, what was that experience like? Or did you ever experience anything like that in yourself? Um, SubhanAllah, I, I do believe that every one of us goes through a journey where we're leaning towards, um, 
towards something, right? So something sometimes the spirituality uh, is is a steroid that we need that injection, right? We need that spiritual high to continue um, doing the religious ritual practices. But I just wanted to zoom out a little bit in in terms of like defining what spirituality is. Um, and defining religiosity, because I think sometimes we think of them as mutually exclusive by saying yeah. like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Uh, whereas the the whole point of ha- being a Muslim, right, is to infuse our day-to-day life with a spiritual component, that it's not just a materialistic worldview, but um, we're unaware of the ghaib or the unseen. And we understand that Allah has given us divine guidance to say, you know what, you don't know, but I know. And so follow this framework, right? Um, when it comes to spirituality, uh, putting on hijab for me was a very spiritual practice and it came actually through a dream. Uh, so wow. there was no actual framework that said A, B, C, and then put on hijab. Uh, so for me, I had this dream and uh, that same night I decided to start wearing hijab. And I think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will talk to you in many different ways. It could be a life circumstance where you get into a car accident uh, and you realize you were so close to death uh, and you needed that slap in the face, right? To get your affairs in order. Um, yeah. Uh, so I do think that as human beings, you know, our heart constantly turns towards and can sometimes turn away from Allah. And we're just constantly trying to repoint it in the right direction. Okay, Sister Marwa, like, I think you mentioned something really powerful in terms of, you know, you had a dream, like, and I'm sure everybody's curious about the dream. Are you comfortable sharing with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was uh, a freshman in college. And I had become very ill. Um, I was losing a lot of weight and uh, I I continued going to the doctor and I just had no appetite. Uh, So the doctor would say, oh, it's probably stress from school, Um, lay off like acidic food, right? Uh, But I said, no, there's seriously something wrong with me. So I went again uh, and they did an endoscopy and they found that I had an ulcer. So I had become anemic. Uh, I, I had lost a lot of blood, lost a lot of weight. And they said that um, um, in your duodenum. And so it took a while for me to regain my strength. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I actually got into a car accident. So there were many things, many trials during that time. Uh, and I continued to pray. I was always bringing actually a hijab with me to Fordham University. And we were praying in the chapel. Um, and subhanAllah, it seemed like the Muslims were using that chapel more frequently on a daily basis than uh, <laughs> the Jesuits of the university. So after a while, you know, I was starting to think of hijab and I thought, you know, this is kind of silly that I'm w- carrying a hijab with me all the time, but I'm not actually wearing hijab. Uh, mm-hmm. And then subhanAllah, right after the car accident, I had a dream that I was walking with my two sons in a park. And this is pre-marriage everything. So walking with my two sons in a park and I have a black abaya and a bright neon pink hijab as if like Allah is like pointing the arrow. Uh, so subhanAllah that the day before I was like, you know, I have a fresh start. So I went to this hair salon, got my hair highlighted and like did the works. Like I just wanted to feel fresh and like, you know, after getting out of this ulcer situation. Um, and then that night, subhanAllah, I just, I told my mom, like, I, I really think I'm going to start wearing hijab. Is it a fard on me? And she said, yeah, it's, it's an obligation. Uh, so I said, that's it. Like, I'm going to do it. And the next day I, I was working at Trader Joe's at the time. 
um, I, and subhanallah, <laughs> customers I had known for a long time, I, I went in with like this bumblebee hijab, uh, customers I had known for a long time, it's as if they saw me for the first time, right? And they said, wow, your English is so good, you know? Uh, and they didn't realize who I was. Um, and then subhanAllah, like maybe a week later was my first in altercation where it had a negative, it was a negative one, uh, but in, alhamdulillah, it turned out to be positive at the end where a customer came up to me and she said, what are you doing with that thing around your head? And I was still very self-conscious of wearing hijab at the time. In Trader Joe's? In Trader Joe's, subhanAllah. Uh, but it's Long Island, so, you know, balance. <laughs> so she said, what are you doing with that thing around your head? If it wasn't for you, uh, your people, 9-11 would have never happened. Not every Muslim is a terrorist, but every terrorist is a Muslim. You know, so the typical things you hear from Fox News. Uh, and I, I actually was walking distance from Trader Joe's to my house. So my, my shift was about to be over. No one advocated on my behalf. Uh, they all, the managers were quiet. Um, and, and so I walk home, I start crying, and my brother Sharif, he, uh, may Allah bless him, he, uh, said, I told him what had happened when I got home, and he said, you are so lucky. And I said, did you just hear the story? Uh, and he said, yeah, because that means Allah has chosen you as a soldier for his religion. Wow. And so he was my first chaplain, right? Um, wow. and, and that has always stuck with me, that at a time where I had no one to advocate for me, he was there to advocate on my behalf, even if it was just a personal interaction. And I thought, you know, this chaplaincy process, this chaplaincy journey makes a lot of sense because I would like to be someone who would advocate on the behalf of students when no one is standing up for them. Wow. Wow. So that, that's really powerful. Jazakallah, first, first of all, for sharing your uh, personal anecdote in here. Um, that's really powerful, you know, the fact, that, especially your brother, what he said, it's, it's, it's like the, it's like that dose you need for the right mm -hmm. moment, right? It's like the that mic drop you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, like I always joke, I was like, man, you know, it, it's, okay, um, that's powerful, mashallah, may Allah bless your brother and your family and what you're doing, and, and you're right. So, so going back to our topic, um, the word religious it's something that I personally, it bothers me because, you know, people look at you like, oh, you're a religious person. I'm like, what does that mean? Mm. Like, you know, somebody said, oh, you're religious. Can you make the offering? I'm sitting there like, dude, I'm not the Jesus you're looking for. Peace be upon him, right? It, it, it's like, I'm, I'm not sure what they see versus like, you know, because in, in society, the way we label people based on their practices or even like, you know, you're wearing hijab, like, oh, now you're religious mm. versus uh, some people say, you know what? I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I think, I, I think, you know, do you, do you see young people, especially in college and university, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, identity crisis, you know, we need, there's a lot of hurting going on in our community, mental health, from mental health, even this COVID has really put a lot of people back, right? Do you experience people coming up to you and like, what happens when somebody comes and tells you, hey, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Like, what's your, uh, what do you do as a chaplain? What's your anecdote? What's your response to that? Uh, so as, as a chaplain, I ask a lot of questions. Uh, so they, they already know the answer within themselves. And this is the way that, you know, have them come to you and then come to the conclusion of what the right path is, right? Uh, but internally, because Allah has blessed us with this fitrah, we understand that if we were to say I'm spiritual, but not religious, maybe I would, I would keep asking until they realize that I just don't want to be beholden 
to any expectations that people may have of me, right? I don't want to be boxed in. Um, and because we have such a hyper-individualized society, right, we want to feel like we are picking and choosing the rules that we want to follow versus those that can be divine or quote unquote divinely ordained for us to follow, right? Um, and so subhanAllah, I was just, I give a halakha at ICPC for girls and well, actually they're young women, college age. Uh, we call it the beast mode halakha because they're required to exercise and they just have to beast mode their life, you know, and that's the whole point. Um, and so I, we were talking about this idea that human beings love rules. We gravitate towards rules and systems and structures and routines all the time, right? And so I don't know if any of you have heard of this um, challenge called the 75 hard challenge, uh, where you're supposed to, so there's a bunch of rules. Uh, you're supposed to work out for 45 minutes in the morning, work out for 45 minutes at night, drink at least one gallon of water a day, uh, read 10 pages of a personal development book, take a photo of your progress every single day, um, and stick to a diet for 75 days without any, without cheating, like without any cheat days. Okay. Uh, if you skip any of those days of any of those rules, you have to start over from day one, oh right? And this, this is like on TikTok and everything, and it went viral. Uh, and so I'm like, subhanAllah, like the rules that Allah has ordained for us are much easier than this. But mm -hmm. because there, because I didn't choose the rules, right? Like I didn't decide to put myself um, in this type of hardship, then I, there's this knee-jerk reaction to reject it. Um, and so if we were to zoom out a little bit, we can see that it all comes back to worldviews. Um, in a postmodernist society, we have shifted from a theocentric worldview, where it's God-centered, to an yeah. egocentric worldview, where mm. it's the worship of the soul, or the worship of your own ego. So we call this yeah. like egolatry, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like, how do I live my best life? And we decide, like, I, I can decide what my best life is. Right. Okay. And I, I, I think you're, you're, uh, you're definitely opening up something here in terms of for our audience to understand. Because, you know, you, you pointed out correctly, um, pre-modern like, world that we lived in, um, and I, I also feel like there's a lot of things we're observing. There's a lot of things we are taking in that is affecting our soul, our ruh, right? In our tradition, we believe that Allah subhanahu wa blowing a ruh into us. And that's what is the most uh, vital part of your body, right? Mm -hmm. um, and feeding that soul the right anecdote, the right synergy, the energy, the right uh, type of uh, food, right? The food that comes from the hereafter, which is, you know, everything that is spiritual. But I think, you know, when it comes to the problematic issue is that, for example, a lot of young people, I feel like we're facing, and, and I, I'm saying, including myself, is that sometimes we're not too sure of what, what our faith provides, or maybe we're not getting it from the right place, right? For example, think about all the vehicles of our faith, the institutions, chaplain like yourself, right? Imams, schools, you know, and you have so many religious institutions who are trying to really make sense out of what's going on in the world and trying to provide like even at mass, we're trying to understand the next generation and say, okay, how do we provide services? Can we, can we be somewhere in their schedule? Uh, what can we do not to make sure overstep their personal boundary, right? And when you go to people, people don't like these things. They don't want to be invaded and say, oh, you're telling me not to pray. You're telling me to attend a halakha, all these things. Because, and sometimes we overdo it. You know, so then there's this religious community, we overdo things. And then there's non-religious groups, we don't even completely do it. 
find the right balance because this, when it comes to this uh, uh, crisis of, you know, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, people have good in them. Like if you are like a lot of young people, they have so much head in them. It's not directly, it's not just, it's not systematic and it's not directed. It's like all over the map, right? So let's say I want to go serve homeless people and I feel good, but then I don't pray Fajr, which is like, (laughs) it's like, oh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I like to give away. And then you see a lot of young people are struggling. Do you think that, you know, the world that we live in right now is a storm, is a battle, is a wind that is so strong that is really shifting our religious identity to come to a conclusion where like, look, I'm just spiritual, I'm not religious. Maybe mm-hmm. is that, mm-hmm. Can we fix, is that fixable? Is that something that you can, you know, what, what are some practical things you can see? You know what, these are, you made a very good valid points. There are other rules and regulations we follow. Yeah, so this is a very deep, deep question. We can spend all day discussing it. Um, the first thing that I would like to point out is that if any of us were um, just sitting like Ibrahim alayhi salam, right, and thinking and deducing that, no, there must be a creator, would we come to the, also to the conclusion that I would need to pray five times a day? We wouldn't personally ever choose to do that. We wouldn't have come to that conclusion, like, this is an obligation that this actually um, enhances my life in some way, right? If, if we had been given the obligation that prayer only re- is required for one time a day, that's what we would do. We wouldn't do excessive amount. We would like check it off and say, okay, this is this is what I need to do. Um, but at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, like establish a prayer and be patient with it. So if someone were to come up to me and tell me, um, I don't feel anything when I pray, right? And, and, I'm, and a lot of college kids come to me and tell me that, right? And they... Uh, it's just for me like a bunch of body movements hand movements and that's basically it Um, and at the same time if you were if you were a scientist working on an experiment and it didn't work the first time would you just give up on it that's the question Um, Mm. if Allah is telling us uh, like definitely prayer does stop you from evil and wrongdoing right there is a whole unseen realm that it actually, we need to be able to trust that it is helping us, right? And this yep. is this actually is the guidebook that we need to follow. Uh, but I think the crux of the situation is, is there is a lack of trust, right? There's a lack of trust in organized religion. Um, and we see, you know, the fallen heroes and that damages like our psyche, right? We become a little bit jaded uh, saying, well, if he fell uh, and may Allah forgive him, you know, then what, what, what is the point? Like, why can't I just take my religion into my own hands and decide on it? Because obviously working, following this framework uh, doesn't work for some people, right? And there are full, yeah. fallen soldiers. So I do believe though, that we have to be able to, to judge Islam based on Islam and not based on Muslims. And that takes a, a level of maturation that doesn't happen instantly, especially with college age students, because uh where you know they're young and impressionable and there's still some time uh to gain that wisdom right and you're we're all they also haven't been some of them have but not all of them have been dealt a, a big trial in their life yet um and yet when they become parents for example or when they're dealing with a difficult marriage or if a death in the family happens that's when you know religiosity really comes through and and you need that grounding and framework 
um, the thing is with all spiritual and not religious, it's a, it's a, a bit aimless, right? So as opposed to religion uh, allowing you to be a conduit for the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, spirituality I see as a container. And it's a container and you can get filled up with it and you can get the spiritual high, but where does, where does that go? Like, where does that lead to, right? Yeah. And if these are self-appointed and self-ordained rules, what if you just don't feel like it, right? When we, when we deal with low iman, for example, maybe I'm just getting the basics done of my religion, but at least I'm not starting from zero, or at least I'm not starting from a, a negative number. Whereas if the spirituality is this self-appointed spirituality, if you just don't feel like it, there's, no, there's nothing binding you to it. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of uh, points you're mentioning, right? Um, and I think it's important because like we, the reality is that everyone is, you know, a lot of, lot of young, a lot of our people are feeling that, that, that um, feeling of just like, you know what, I'm not feeling my prayer. I'm not. And I think we forget that, you know, one of the most powerful thing you can do is gain knowledge. Right. So honestly, yeah. literally under like even just sitting and talking to you and getting those information to reassure yourself, because we mm-hmm. always need that reassurance and yeah. realignment. It didn't almost like me show us. It's like constantly you're asking for the right direction. And nowadays, with the current timing, you really have to emphasize on that. So going back, um, you know, like so there are things we would do for worldly gain right in terms of our knowledge in terms of our career you know you see a lot of young people nowadays we're talking about cryptocurrency you know we would wake up early in the morning for like a successful we're attending multimillionaire workshops and all that we're doing everything towards the dunya because it's a little bit more attractive and then we forget even even that meeting is boring but you're still sitting through right and i think i think one thing to really focus on is that i'm you know i'm not religious and i'm i'm spiritual I think going back to the discipline aspect of it, if we're not disciplined enough, we can fall into those traps of feeling because I'm not feeling and I'm not there. Look, when you, even when you, when you and I are standing in prayer, in my, as, if I'm facing and I'm just standing and I'm moving my hands, that in itself is an ibadah. We forget that. That in itself, it's submitting. I'm standing here, even though my heart is directing to the friend, but my body's here. And that's the struggle. That's the battle we all have to go through. Now, what are some of the things that, you know, how do we balance that between Dina and dunya? What, what, like in terms of how do we find the right anecdotes? Okay, you know what? I, I, I think this, if I just start focusing on here, I, I'm able to balance my Dina and dunya aspect of it. Do you yeah, have any? This, uh, yeah. this is a great question. Um, I don't, how many of you are, are familiar with David Goggins? Um, in a lot of like pop culture references, like 75 Hard and David Goggins. These are like the gurus, right? <laughs> of personal yeah, development. Yeah. So David Goggins, I mean, I think that there is the pendulum will always swing, right? And so we're right now um, in this post-truth society where my feelings are more important than what is true and what is objectively true. Um, mm-hmm. And then subhanAllah, when we discuss, it's like, it, this is my truth, right? Like people have come up to say, this is, this is my feelings of it. So my, this is my truth. Whereas we're kind of divorcing ourselves from objective truth. Um, and so with David Goggins, I think why so many young people are attracted to him is that he's all about telling the truth, no matter who it hurts, right? It's like the stay hard, be disciplined. And he has a very rigorous yeah. disciplined lifestyle. Um, and people are gravitating towards it because they're like, you know what? 
I'm sick and tired of this like post-truth, like feelings are the most important thing. No, actually I like, I want to accomplish things and I want to get things done. Um, you know, if you were to follow any type of exercise regimen, like, and this is very similar to the spiritual high, if you wanted to get a runner's high, you just put on your sneakers and run as hard and as fast as you could for as long as you can um, in order for those endorphins to come rushing through your body, right? Um, but what does that lead to? It will most likely lead to burnout and an injury. Uh, and there are certain things that when you become an athlete, you have to zoom out and say, I need a holistic approach so I can do this well into my 60s, 70s, and 80s, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That means that, yeah, I might go for a slow, wrong, long run on a Sunday, but then the next day I'm fueling, I'm stretching, I'm foam yeah. rolling, and then maybe in the middle of the day, I'll do a short tempo run. So you have this more like holistic, and I have to focus on my nutrition, right? And so Dean literally means way of life. Um, and I, I believe that people can see exercise as a great example because they can relate to it, right? Like I, I can't get a runner's high without putting in the work, right? And so we expect to get the spiritual high without putting in the work and, the, and it's not going to happen. It might happen one or two times because you listen to this lecture, but what happens after the crash, right? Yeah. Um, we often feel worse than when we, before listening to that lecture. Uh, and this is also some, some chemical that's happening in our brain where we get so many dopamine surges. Our brain is trying to balance that out, right? And so it's going to make the crash that much deeper and we're going to be addicted to getting more and more dopamine hits, right? right. So as opposed to trying to get rid of our addictions, we're running towards them, right? Um, I know that your question was more on the practical side, but I think that having that mental shift of saying that everything worth doing requires discipline and it requires that day in and day out struggle. And it's not attractive to many people, like having maintenance mode or, and you'll be plateauing at certain times and it's not, it's not like yeah. in any way sexy, right? Uh, yeah. It's not that like shiny new, yeah. like whatever Apple, you know, MacBook that's coming out now. So it's, it's not like that. It's just the day in and day out grind and, and you won't get recognized for it and no one is actually going to see it. Um, yeah. But internally, you know, like I'm building my character, right? And I'm developing my soul and th this is worth more than anything else. Um, and yeah. so if you if you're so committed to your physical appearance and being an athlete and taking care of your body, then what about your spiritual like internally, how, how do you want to cultivate that? Yeah. Um, and, and it's something that it takes longer because it's no one can notice. It. It's not like an outward appearance. Uh, but then subhanAllah, my my very good friend, Maha Azuddin, and I'm sure many of you know her because she's actively working with mass. Um, she was telling me that her mother was traveling. Uh, she was. So she was talking to her father and she said to him, what are you going to do when mama isn't around? And then he said, I have the Quran. The Quran is my friend, right? Um, and, and having that deep connection, that doesn't come overnight, right? Especially for some of us who struggle with Arabic. Arabic is not our first language. Uh, but are you willing to cultivate that relationship? You have to put in the work, right? Um, so it can be your companion in this life and the next. Man. I feel like I'm talking too long, but work, work, work. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the work. Uh, also, I wanted to mention something else, if I may. Uh, there are three different types of words for success in the Quran. There is uh, fath, 
which is an opening or a conquest. Right? Like we have clearly given you a clear a conquest, um, a clear opening. This is after Sulh Hudaybiyah, right? And none of the companions thought that this was, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was an actual success. Every single one of them thought it was a failure, especially when they saw Abu Jandal in chains, tortured, and his yeah. father who's writing the treaty is saying, if you agree to this treaty, Abu Jandal is the first to go back to Mecca. The, the Muslims couldn't handle it. Like Umar ibn Khattab, anhu, he pointed to his sword so Abu Jandal can kill his father, right? But Abu Jandal refused because it wasn't directed by the Prophet Muhammad um, And so there was, there's no way that we can come to that conclusion as a human that the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was actually beneficial for the Muslims. It required that divine guidance to tell us that that 10 years uh, of peace allowed Muslim, allowed people not gearing up for war uh, to now sit and think, what is the purpose of my life, right? It allowed for a group of Muslims to be to become entrenched in Mecca. And so when the conquest of Mecca happened, uh, there was already a group that was ready to, to serve the wow. Prophet Muhammad But there, we could have never foreseen that, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to trust that with prayer, we can't foresee uh, the cultivation that this is producing between me and my Lord. But inshallah, it's getting closer. We can't foresee that every day that we try and pronounce these letters in the Quran, we can't foresee the type of transformation this is going to produce in our hearts. But we have to trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of it, right? Um, and then, so that was Fath. And then there's Falah. And Fath can come from a believer or a disbeliever. Like there could be openings for those that are good and those that are bad. Ad and Thamud, they had lots of conquests, lots of Futuhat. Um, and then they were punished for, for, all, for all of it because they became arrogant. Um, yeah. Whereas with Falah, this success is promised for the believer. And the Falah is coming from the word farmer. Uh, it's a seed that breaks open, right, uh, for, for the fruit to come out. So it requires that toil and that struggle. And Allah promises the believer success, but that success is uh, promised for Jannah. Um, and then there's Fawz. And Fawz is the icing on the cake where you get this extra success in Jannah um, and you elevate your status, right? And so we want to be of those that say, Allah put me in. I want to be part of the struggle. You know, I want, I don't want to be on the outside criticizing. I want to put on my gloves and, and box my way to the top. That's fine. Open, tilt, elevation. So, so you mentioned three uh, categories. Mashallah. Yeah, fat, um, falah, and fawz. Fawz, subhanAllah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to reflect on, uh, you know, in terms of what you just mentioned. SubhanAllah. Um, I want to actually bring it to the point where when somebody like in, in our community, you will find people who are spiritual and you'll find who are religious. Mm -hmm. And sometimes one, one attacks the other, other, you know, you'll see that different mm -hmm. anecdote of people. I think we all have a journey. Like one of my uh, mentor, Arm Muzaffar in, in Loyola University, he was mentioning, he said, like, you know, we all have a timeline. Like, so, so when we think about this journey of faith, it's not an overnight accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So you, you enter into this faith, however, is a revert coming in, born into it. Mm -hmm. Like you realize you actually find the true uh, meaning to it once you're able to find that, once you're able to really reflect, like ponder, like, okay, what is my purpose in my life? Because, you know, some, I was born Muslim, I didn't know until I started looking into what I'm saying, what I'm doing. I was like, oh my God. So, and you have a journey. We all have a journey. Like maybe you, we're going to be spiritual for a while before we become religious. Mm 
And maybe we are religious wanting to be spiritual because even our religious community, you'll see people are very much mechanical with no, like, with no, uh, we, we, they can't even smile at you because they're so religious. Yeah. <laughs> right. You have the other extreme. You have to really recognize this in our community that you have religious people who are very much so like, and what, this is, I think this is something that really turns off these spiritual folks. Like, you know what? Uh, I was judged. I didn't wear hijab. It's almost like a negative energy impression. Sometimes that's, it's important, like folks like you who are doing this wonderful job in terms of you are their hope. Instead of, you know, if imagine somebody comes up to you, um, you know, and saying they're not feeling religious, they're spiritual, and you're like, oh, you're not wearing hijab, you're not religious enough. Mm-hmm. That's not the anecdote. That's not the measure Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at. Allah, mm-hmm. I think we forget that the measure that we need to look into is what, what's the scope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's measurement, right? Mm-hmm. And slowly build up ourselves. And this is a lifelong journey. It is just like an exercise that you're going to do for 72 days, 75 days. It's a lifelong process, right? And, and sometime your jihad is going to be something maybe you die upon. Maybe you're struggling what you're struggling with. Maybe that's the struggle you're going to be dying upon. But as long as you're on the track and you constantly repeat yourself, right? Because shaitan doesn't want you to, he doesn't even want you to be on the track, right? He, he wants to get you off. Now, um, have you ever felt like, in, so, so in your situations, when young people come up to you and they tell you they're not, you know, religious, they're spiritual, what about like, have you ever felt like religious, um, you know, uh, members come up to you and tell you they're not feeling spiritual? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes we get so mechanical because we're, right. we're right, fine, we're, my body's there, my heart is not there, right? But sometimes we get so mechanical about our faith we there is this the 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 the, um the ruh is just not there i guess i don't know how to explain this i I was just talking actually to my husband this morning regarding this topic and i told him you know uh, especially as parents um and focused on the next generation we're so we're so focused on the idea of teaching them the halal and the haram right the what is what is permissible and what is prohibited that we dehydrate the religion that we um we suck we suck it dry from its spirituality and that's i think where people lose faith because they say this is supposed to help me right this is supposed to imbue the sense of um you know allah has my back like i'm going to be okay and and having tawakkul right and reliance on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um and so we give them this bare bone structure do this don't do this um stay yeah. away from that focus on this and so it's just a bunch of rules and what if it's not infused with that spirituality then it's it's kind of like okay these are just like things I need to check off my list, right? Um, because I want to make my parents proud or, you know, I don't want to uh, deal with the criticism of the community. Uh, but internally, I feel very dried up. I feel very dehydrated. I feel very like sucked dry from from this framework, right? Um, and so this, the onus actually is on us to focus on imbuing like what these ritual practices actually do sp- to us spiritually. And we're not always going to hit a home run, knowing, you know, some, some days we have off days. Some COVID was like this whole new reality for us. And um, there was recently this article saying that you were okay in the beginning because you had this surge, right? Like you had this flight or flight response and say, okay, we can handle this, we can do it. Um, but a year and a half later, we're just like, I'm tired. Like, I, I don't have the mental fortitude and I need things to get back to normal, right? Uh, and this is where I think 
religion actually helps a lot because we say, okay, at least I have this framework to fall back on. And, and then I can slowly re-imbue the spirituality. I do think though, um, as Islamic schools, Islamic institutions, Sunday schools, we really need to realign the idea that like focus on Aqidah, focus on who is Allah. Like yeah. focus on Allah's attributes, like focus on how much Allah actually loves you. Because I don't know about you, but like I was deathly afraid growing up of like any type of punishment, right? That I was like there fire and brimstone. And and this was something that is very scary for a, a seven, eight, nine-year-old to comprehend. <laughs> I remember my mom telling us on the day of judgment, like your parents will flee, you will run away from them. And, and we were just crying, right? Um, <laughs> so it is, you know, we yeah. do need that. As much as you can scare children into doing what you want them to do, is that the lasting impact you want them to have of their religion, right? Yeah. Um, so may Allah guide us. <laughs> I mean, and you know what? I, I think what you just mentioned is powerful because it, you're right. Uh, as a community, as an activist, as an organization, as Masajid, we need to do a better job in terms of approaching our faith holistically because honestly, um, the relationship with Allah is so crucial. Uh, it goes a long way. If, mm -hmm. if, if you can really, I mean, think about, you know, it's funny, like somebody was saying that we're having our kids memorize all these last Jews and mm -hmm. most of the last Jews is almost, you know, you see yeah. Abu it's amazing, yeah, beautiful terms. Yeah. Like, you know what it means, right? And and uh, I, I love, you know, uh, when you mentioned Surah Fatiha, right, the opening, I love, I, I always emphasize on Surah Fatiha. Let's go back mm -hmm. to Fatiha, study that well enough and really, and again, this is, I think, something we need to, as an institution organization, we need to really think about how we, you know, process, how do we help people connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because a lot of the times it's a mechanical connection versus spiritual connection first. Mm -hmm. And then mechanics comes with it. Because if you love, if you have this deep relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not going to have any problems with the mechanics. You're not going to have a problem with being religious because that when you're in love with something, when you love someone, when you love something, you will do what the beloved wants you to do. Mm -hmm. You will please beloved above and beyond your own comfort zone. And this is a reality in our own life, right? When we love someone, we would go out of our ways to do something. Mm -hmm. Our parents, our, you know, our husband, our wives, whatever the case is, we go above and beyond and do things. And that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa is more beloved than anyone else. So think about if he asks you to go pray, if he asks you to give charity, if he asks you to do something, you feel almost like you enjoy it. Mm. Right? You, you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think you see this in, in the celebrity culture. Like for example, you will see uh, if, if a celebrity scholar comes into your community, the whole community just goes line up, right? Versus, yeah, <laughs> versus you know, and I think in, in our paradigm, we, we really need to readjust how we look at the religious, uh, religiosity or, you know, in, in terms of practicing. Even sometimes we're not helping the situation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden, this celebrity scholar makes a mistake. Our faith just gets shattered because our, our focus is so much on individual rather than it's ultimate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why it's important to have a strong relationship. And again, we can have this feeling, by the way, like I have certain days where I'm not feeling my prayer. Mm -hmm. I'm just not. I, I just, I'm standing there. My heart is somewhere. My mind is somewhere else. But the point is being consistent mm -hmm. and continuing developing it mm -hmm. and you know, figure out those other things. Like maybe you didn't sleep enough. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're, there are other things that are mental health is important as well. It's not just because you're not feeling it, right? Yeah. Uh, there are other things that uh, comes in the way. Khair, yeah. I think I this remember, is amazing. Oh, okay. Yeah, please, please go ahead. 
Um, so I, I just remember one of uh, the sheikhs that I was listening to, she mentioned that you are still the abd of Allah when you are recovering from a whole dawah workshop that you gave, right? You are, when you are completely burnt out and resting, you are still so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yet we oftentimes think like, if I'm not being productive, if I'm not doing this, if I'm not doing, no, like you as a soul is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than even the house of Allah in Mecca, right? Um, and so also it's, it comes from self-worth. Like you have to truly believe that you are a beloved servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, I think sometimes we have so much self-hate and so much criticism of our own selves that we're like, what's the point of this anyway? Like, I know that I'm doomed and gloomed and uh, like I've done so many mistakes and can Allah really forgive me? But if Allah answered the dua of shaitan, Allah will answer your dua, you know what I mean? And so we, and this comes with a lot of time and wisdom and getting to know yourself, right? Um, those who know themselves know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? I, there was a long time where I didn't realize why I was so tired. I'm like, maybe just drink a cup of water. Like I'm just, I, I, it took a long time to realize, oh, this is what dehydration feels like, right? Um, and it, it's a process, but that's why it's so important to also have mentors like you and sister Layla to guide the youth along the way, because it's like, hey, maybe if, when you feel like this, this is what it means, right? Um, and, and so that self-care and that spiritual care self-care is not this idea of like going to a spa even though like that can be a nice thing but it's kind of like what am I doing to enhance my life on a day-to-day -day basis right where I can just feel this grounding and this contentment and rida. I think if we develop this contentment in our lives um, then the outside external forces won't have such a deep impact on us inshallah I mean that's the goal inshallah Inshallah, may Allah bless you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I think uh, this is amazing and powerful that um, you know you 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 become the source of uh, light and hope for so many young people in the community and the work that you're doing as a chaplain. I think this is one of the most important work, prophetic work, because it's so prophetic. Subhanallah, like you're in the first point of contact for people, right? Um, may Allah bless you, except from you. Um, can you tell our audience how can folks reach out to you? What are the ways to sure. uh, connect with you? Yeah, um, so you can always email me. My first and last name, Marwa Ali, M-A-R-W-A-A-L-Y at gmail.com. I'm also um, on Instagram, Chaplain Marwa Ali. You can reach out that way or Facebook. I have a Chaplain Marwa Ali Facebook page. Um, so this was an honor and pleasure. I and uh, I pray for the best. Allahumma istakhdimna wa la tastabdimna. Ya Allah, please use us and never replace us. Ameen. Ameen, Ya Rabbi. Ameen. Jazakumul khair again. Allah bless you for everything that you're doing. Continue. Um, you know, last question for you. Sure. What was the most, uh, what was the moment you felt the most religious and spiritual together? Oh, wow. Religious and spiritual together. Um, it was probably the first day I... I Okay, so I have another story regarding the hijab. So when, if you don't have, if you don't mind. Go uh, for so it. So right after that, that means Allah has chosen you as a soldier for his religion. I was commuting to Fordham on the Long Island Railroad. So, I'm, and usually no one will want to sit with me now that I'm wearing hijab and post 9-11. It was very close to 9-11 actually, subhanAllah. Mm. Um, so I'm on the waiting for the train and this blonde hair, blue eyed girl, grabs my wrist and says can I sit next to you 
Um, and I said, sure, like I, no one else is going to sit next to me. So fine, come. And so she sits next to me and she tells me her story, how she, after graduating from college, she, she went to Korea to teach English there. Um, and she actually found Islam in Korea. Uh, her, her fellow teachers were all Muslim. She began learning about Islam. She wore hijab in Korea. And then she um, came back to visit her family. Her family doesn't know she converted. And so she was too scared to wear hijab in front of them. And she said, but I feel like Allah sent you as a sign for me. Um, and subhanAllah, how the first interaction with no one would ever speak to, you know, no one would ever, um, I don't even remember what she said, but that attack at, at Trader Joe's versus now this woman who is sitting next to me and telling me, I feel like you're a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And so if, if we think, in terms of we're all signs for those that are around us. Like what kind of sign do we want to leave uh, for our inner circle and the outer circle and those that we impact? Um, and we're all conduits. And like, what, what is the message that we want to deliver, right? These are all things that no matter what, how low you think of yourself, you have to understand that you're impacting those around you, right? Um, mm. And so that just like reaffirmed this idea that, you know what? just keep, keep going, like keep trying. Uh, you're going, you are the imperfect soul and you're going to come a lot to a lot battered and, and drained and strained and, you know, hurt along the way, your ego is going to get bruised. But in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you want to tell him, I did everything that I absolutely could. Do not have any regrets when you face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Jazakallah for sharing that. Uh, that's beautiful. It's powerful. And I think, um, you know, when you become the light in this dunya, um, so I have this anecdote that I always share. So in during night, when you look at the sky, you see stars, mm -hmm. right? Um, in the mix of darkness. And when you, if you were to go in the space, right? And you look at the world, it's full of darkness. And, and, and the stars in that world, in that darkness are the people like you who are serving, who are becoming the um, anecdote for other people's faith and connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may Allah you know, um, bring forth more stars in this dunya, like yourself and all the chaplains and all the folks that are doing this Dao work and use us for the sake of, mm -hmm. for his work, for his sake and not replace us. And again, thank you so much for uh, being real and being authentic with us. And uh, this has been really awesome and pleasure to be chatting with you. And That's again, awesome. may Allah SWT accept from you and please mm -hmm. everyone else reach out to her, connect with her, inshallah. Mm -hmm. Again, let's wrap it up. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. This is Muhammad Kibriya with the Remaster Podcast signing off. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.